This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. The real story of the ocean depths begins where you left off. Wonders that defy my powers of description. The secrets that are mine alone. You are tuned to 102.73 Triple R. You might be listening via rrr.org.au. Regardless, this is Radio Marinara. We are the program about all things wet and salty. My name's Bron Burton. My name's Dr. Beach. How are you, Dr. Beach? I'm very well. Very good. Et toi? Pleased to hear. A bien? Good. <laughs> Don't want to go any further. It's extended our French. Thank you, Tim, very much for Vital Bits. Thank you. Uh, he's doing a little bit of cabaret for us here in Studio 2. And thank you, Kent, for panelling. Thank you, Kent, for panelling. Thank you, Andrew, for Soulful Bits. Fabulous Soulful Bits this morning, as always. What are we up to, Tim? Have we hit 60 yet? Um, it was number 56. 56. And they said it never last. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that through the jug, so I guess they heard that out there. Hey, well, uh, you heard that 60 out there, will be, listeners. Um, 60 will coincide with Radiothon, assuming that um, Soulful Bits is still is, is happening during Radiothon. Don't know that. We'll Are we allowed to that. announce the theme? No. Okay. I don't know. I won't. Are we? We don't know. We'll wait. We'll wait. There's yeah, a, there've ra- been some teasers. Radiothon is coming up, and for those of you who have just dropped down from Venus, Radiothon is our annual fundraiser for this fair station, 3RRR, which is community radio and is kept going, kept on the air by, by you, beloved listeners. Hmm. 
We also have amnesty. We have April amnesty. Well, yeah, we have quite a few things. Lots of opportunities for people to subscribe. In fact, you could do it right now if you wished. Except that would be putting Tim on the spot to take a phone call. Oh, all right. <laughs> or you can subscribe online anytime. I'm just being a bit enthusiastic. <laughs> You've got to pace yourself, Dr. Beach. Yes. Hey, speaking of pacing ourselves, we've got a really big show to get through, so we're going to hop into it very shortly. Uh, sharing the Love is an annual coastal... Uh, um, exciting uh, event. Sorry, I got distracted by a, a sound in studio. It's an annual gathering of marine and coastal volunteers from around Victoria and it's happening, it happens every year and this weekend it's happening down in summers. So Mark Rodriguez and I have been busy putting a program together and by that I mean Mark has been busy putting a program together. So kudos to you, Mark. Thank you very much. We've got a very exciting lineup of uh, guests and also Cade Mills, our very own Cade Mills here at Radio Marinara is down there. He's been there all weekend. So shortly we're going to be crossing down there and speaking with Cade uh, about what's going on. But in the meantime, before we do that, uh, we are going to have a little bit of a forecast for some weather and you have paper too, Dr Beach. What should we do first? Well, I have a couple of papers. I've got the Sunday paper in here, which I'm going to read um, the weather from. And then I'm, then I'm going to talk really quickly about a paper, well, a scientific paper. But today is going to be 14 degrees, uh, a little bit less than one millimetre of rain. So, you know, small chance of that. Winds north 25 to 35 kilometres per hour. Looking forward to the week. It's going to, well, same old, same. Well, 13, and actually a little bit warmer on Tuesday, 16. Minimums of 8, 9, 8, 10 throughout the week. Little bit of rain, maybe chance of rain, small chance of rain tomorrow and Tuesday. So, same as what we've been seeing. Lovely Melbourne winter, a bit chilly. Awesome. Maybe not down to uh, 4 and 5 in the morning as we have seen in recent weeks. If you're heading out on the water, you'll be interested to know what's happening with the tides at Lonnie. At the heads, high tide, well, just a little while ago, 20 past seven. Well, no, it's now nine o'clock, so over an hour and a half ago. No, so that was high tide, I'm sorry. Low tide will be at the heads at 17 minutes past noon this afternoon. The uh, diving conditions are spectacular from the images that I've seen. Amazing. The conditions at Rye last week, you could, incredible. Clear water, lots to see. Clear water with lots to see. That reminds me of a paper I want to talk about for just three or four minutes. If you were to do an experiment out in the open ocean, have some islands which had rats on them and had some islands without rats on them, it might be a lot of work to actually get the islands without the rats on them. So, in other words, to get rid of the rats. But in the Chagos Archipelago, there is a beautiful natural experiment which has kind of been done by nature and which has been analysed by scientists, including some at... Um, well, from University of Queensland, James Cook, uh, James Cook University, and this has just appeared in Nature, and it's a paper entitled Seabirds Enhance Coral Reef Productivity and Functioning in the Absence of Invasive Rats. Chagos Archipelago, slap bang in the middle of the Indian Ocean, very remote. Bunch of six islands they chose, which were rat-infested. When Europeans got there, 17th, 18th century, a couple of ratus ratus got on there and went, went nuts. nuts. Um, <laughs> Few islands, six islands weren't settled, so therefore no rats. These islands very compar- you know, all near one another, so you can compare the rat-infested islands with the, fa- rat- which, with, the, with the islands which aren't rat-infested. Mm-hmm. When you have a look at the islands which don't have rats on them, there are 781 times more seabirds than you find on the islands with rats. Uh-huh. So rats, uh, they're eating seabird eggs. These mm. are terns, noddy terns, boobies, gannets. Well, boobies and gannets are the same things, frigate birds, all sorts of stuff. 
Fascinating to see that, but even more fascinating, they were able to, the scientists were able to trace the nitrogen which is coming from the seabirds. So seabirds go out foraging during the day, way out into the ocean, um, nail the fish, bring them back, all those goodies they bring back to the islands. So those goodies, mainly nitrogen, guana, bird poop, leeches through the island onto the surrounding reef. So all that nitrogen is getting recycled from mm. this broad area by the seabirds to the surrounding reef. And when you don't have any seabirds, you don't get that recycling. They were able to, these scientists, you know, biologists, were able to measure, for example, damselfish, herbivorous fish, are growing on the islands which don't have rats on them, so the nice pristine islands. Those damselfish are growing happier, healthier. Overall, there's a huge amount of biomass of fish increased compared to the islands which are rat-infested. All of this is having fantastic productivity for biomass for fish, seaweeds, all sorts of stuff. And this is the first demonstration of such a powerful um, recycling event. Mm. Well, that, that, that you can prove it. You've got this beautiful experiment, natural experiment, where you've got a bunch of islands which don't have rats on them and a bunch of islands which do have rats on them. And the difference is stark. So this underscores one of the other things that we can do to protect our precious places on this planet, including coral reef islands, and that is to get rid of the rats, which we've known in the past. You know, rats are not a good thing. But um, to have this beautifully demonstrated in this wonderful natural experiment is a fantastic thing. So for those of you who want to look at this, it has appeared in the most recent issue of Nature, July 12. Actually, no, two weeks ago, July 12. Um, and, um, yeah, seabirds enhance coral reef productivity and functioning in the absence of invasive rats. First author is Nicholas Graham. Excellent, Dr Beach. What a great piece of science. Uh, just an amazing bit of science. Yep. Any positives to the rats being there? No, Just throwing right. that question in? No. Unless you're a rat. No, dirty rats. You're dirty rat. <laughs> hey, thank you very much. Without further ado, we're now going to cross down to Summers, down from our uh, geological perspective anyway, to Cade Mills, who I'm hoping is waiting for us. Are you there, Cade? I certainly am, Bron. How are you? Yeah, well, thank you. Yourself, how are you going? Yeah, good. And you, Dr. Birch? I'm very well, Kate. Nice to hear your fair voice. Yes, it's a pity that we're not there together. Very I nice know, I know. We could have a bit of a loving. <laughs> I know. I'm looking at Phillip Island at the moment. Um, and I'd say the seas are reasonably calm in here, anyway. Yeah. Hey, last night was the, um, the, the equivalent of the conference dinner. Are you all a bit dusty this morning, or did you all play it a little safe? I know. We're all very well behaved because we're going to be on the radio in the morning. <laughs> Well, Good there answer. Are quite a few people sitting there tucking into bacon and egg rolls as I speak. Uh, and veggie so. options. Veggie options too, I'm assuming. Of course, and that's the answer to every hangover, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Excellent. Katie, are you, are you all um, holed up at the camping ground down there at Summers? We're actually at the school camp at Summers. A lot of people are having flashbacks when they turned up here going, oh my God, I remember coming here when I was a kid. <laughs> but it's, it's a beautiful spot right on the coast there in Western Port. Excellent. So um, let's let's just a little quick snapshot of what's happening down there. We've given a very brief intro. Um, just talk us through your experience so far. Who have you met? Um, what, what happened yesterday? What's happening today? Uh, well, I won't go into too much about the project, as Mark will be telling you a lot. But for me, I guess I've been meeting sort of people from, you know, as far west down at Port Campbell who are doing some work down that way. And then the legendary Don Love from Beware Reef and all the work he's been doing over there and at the Gippsland Lakes. 
I guess one of the things I've noticed is there's a lot of people out there with cameras taking amazing photos and starting to put together incredible, really local, specific guides for areas. So there's a lot of information out there that people are starting to condense and put into publications so people can actually start to use it and understand it themselves. And thing to mention too, of course, is that, that every single person is a volunteer, apart from, I mean, there are a few people who are down there um, with their paid jobs, but there are, this, the whole purpose of this is for people who volunteer and do all of this work just because they love it. That's it. It's just basically people that have a passion for the marine environment. They live close to it. They want it to share it with everyone. And actually, there was one that I wanted to mention that was quite a different take on some of the work that's been done. So there's a group down at um, Friends of Barwon Bluff and down at Barwon Heads there who have got together and they've created like a Barwon River Estuary Journal. And part of the journal idea is to, you know, basically reflect upon your moments when you're walking along the estuary. So there's like places for leaf pressings and rubbings and to write your poems, to you know, sketch some photos and images and all the rest of it. And basically just a different way to experience the environment as opposed to walking along and collecting data. And it's been very popular from what I can tell. That's great. So um, are you uh, running around busily lining all these people up for interview here on Radio Marinara in the next few weeks or months? Oh. My work's done for the rest of the year, Brian. <laughs> everyone's lined up. I do actually have um, Tom Sharko from the Port Phillip Eco Centre. She's been doing some work on microplastics in the Yarra and the Maribyrnong, which, as we know, flows straight into Port Phillip Bay. And they've got about two years' worth of data from sifting through microplastics that they've collected by trawling in the river. And we touched on it briefly with Neil Blake last week. Yes. And I've invited her to come into the studio next week. And Brilliant. She's gracefully said yes so she'll share more of her results and also some plans for the future it's one thing to discover all this but it's like what are we going to do now that we have this information and how powerful can it be fantastic awesome well we've got we've got a very large um list of people who we're going to be speaking with in the next 46 or so minutes um coming up shortly mark rodrigue who is the he's really the the whip cracker and the ringleader and and the person who's pulled all of this together so we'll we're going to put on track on in a minute and then come back and speak with mark um the whip cracker i quite like that (laughs) (laughs) is he doing that no he's, he's a very gentle whip whip cracker <laughs> he's got, a, got feathers on the end. Yeah, a, a velvet whip with feathers. Or we'll, let's not go down that road. Um, I was going to say, exactly. where's this going? <laughs> Um, And we haven't been through the lineup, so I'm going to do that right now. Um, After Mark, we'll be speaking with Mel Wells. She's from Warrnambool, and she presented last night at your dinner um, uh, some her experiences living on Macquarie Island as a volunteer for a year, so really looking forward to speaking with Mel. Andrew Christie from Marine Care Jawbone Marine Sanctuary on what's going on uh, at Jawbone. Uh, Then Jonathan Stevenson, who is a marine pest officer from Parks Victoria, about the current situation with marine pest species in Victoria. And then to finish up, Stefan Howe, Manager of Water Science or Manager of Marine Science at Parks Vic. So a lot to get through, Cade. So um, thank you very much for joining us and we will have you in studio next week and uh, enjoy the rest of the day. But don't hang up the phone because we're going to come straight back in a minute. No worries. We'll talk to you soon. Cool. Thanks, Cade. See you next week. Bye. Here on 3RRR, we're now crossing back to Summers to speak with Mark Rodrigue showing... uh, sharing the love. <laughs> I put that track in to kind of make it relevant. I've just ended up confusing myself. Sharing the love down there at Summers. Uh, good morning, Mark. 
Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Dr. Beach. Good morning, all the listeners out there in Marinara land. Great to have you with us. Um, now, we described you as a, as a you know, a very kind whipcracker a little while ago. Yeah, I, I heard that. I heard that. <laughs> I, um, I actually uh, was a little bit, little bit sort of uh, paid by sort of the description of whipcracker. I'm actually hopefully more seen as gent- genteel uh, facilitator. But anyway, that's, <laughs> that's all good. I think you need to have a bit of whipcracker. You need to get those things underway anyway. So, yeah, all good. Well, especially for a forum like this. Otherwise, you might find everyone just sort of wandering off and, you know, enjoying each other's company in the beach. So. And well, well, that, that's that's absolutely right because we've got people from one end of the state to the other here, and this is a this is an event we've been uh, Park Speak have been very keen to support now over the last uh, six years. We've actually had this is and you you've been aware of these ones. We've had our, fir- our first event back in 2012 in Barwon Heads. We then travelled all the way down to Wilson's Prom where uh, you did a kind cross with us uh, from uh, Tidal River down at the Prom. Uh, we then went across in 2016 to Warnable, and now we're back in the middle again. So we've been all over the state we've got people here from as far east as uh, almost and as far west as warnable and uh, yeah it's it's it is a bit like a herding cats at times but at the same time just the simple fact of bringing a whole group of people together who've got an enormous amount of passion enormous amount of purpose for the work that they do and just putting them into a space together does create does require a little bit of whip cracking occasionally but you know basically let them go <laughs> You're finding it's um, a bit of a reunion too. So if these events are held every two years, is is it the same people who come back and are they well, giving each other updates? Yeah, there's certainly a, there's certainly a bit of that going on, but there's also this year we're really thrilled. We've probably got uh, more than 50 people, so this is the biggest one we've ever had. And we've got a whole lot, probably I'd say half the people who are attending this this time have not been before. So there is a bit of yeah, the bit of the uh, the old guard, but there's also a bit of uh, baton changing and a bit of transferring and a bit of uh, new engagement. So it's, it's it's really quite diverse actually, and that's one of the great things about this is really that opportunity to build those direct relationships, partnerships. If you've got a good idea, show me show me yours, and we'll show you ours. Kind of stuff. It's uh, it's pretty pretty special. Now, we went through um, the lineup of who we've got uh, coming up on our program today, and thank you so much for everything that you've done in organising this. I thought perhaps for the people who we're not going to have on the program, can you just take us through some of the areas that are represented and some of the work that is being done? Okay, so well, if we do a quick journey across the state, we've got people here from Friends of Beware Reef, we've got a, a number of people from South Gippsland involved in uh, some of the urchin, urchin management programs, uh, seagrass programs down there, particularly some of the PV staff. We've got uh, people from uh, the uh, sort of Mornington, uh, Morning Peninsula coastline, so the Summers area. Uh, we've got people from uh, various different parts around Port Phillip Bay. So we've got uh, groups like Marine Care, Ricketts Point, Jawbone and uh, Point Cook. We've got people from Bowen Heads. We've got people from uh, Great Ocean Road, uh, the uh, Friends of Point Addis and Eagle Rock. And then we've got a number of people from very far west, so down in uh, the Warrnambool area. Uh, Mel, who you'll be speaking to shortly, and uh, the extraordinary uh, Margot Tool. Um, yeah, all here, all here in the room, basically, at the same time. So, yeah, it's a pretty special place to be. must be pretty exciting for you too, Mark, just to, with the work that you do at Parks Victoria, to have all of these people in the one place at the one time. It, it is, and it's look. It's really to, in 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 some ways, it's it's a small investment in building relationships. That you know, at the end of the day, is it's about our communities understanding and respecting and working together to protect our extraordinary marine and coastal environments across Victoria. Um, I should also acknowledge the great work that Coast Care and uh, particularly Phil Wozbowski is doing in helping out the program. But you know, really, it is about 
us all saying it's not 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 Parks Victoria's responsibility or Coast Cares or the government's. It's actually about the community, government agencies, uh, non non profit organisations all working together for for a very a very important cause, which is actually to look after our extraordinary environment. So yeah, it's a it's a good thing about us to try and support that. What do you think will? Um, what are you hoping will come out of this at the end? So once you get to the the end of the program this afternoon, what what are you hoping will be? The final, the, the final, the final thing is we're certainly not going to be publishing a thesis or anything like that. What I really want to see happen is good stuff happening on the ground. So people basically talking to each other, knowing that there's someone on the other end of the phone or the other end of an email that can basically help them solve problems or develop a particular uh, approach to education or engagement or get them involved in some citizen science programs. We're going to be having a strong focus on that this morning. So, yeah, there's just really the outcome essentially is people working together for the same cause. Brilliant. So we've got Mel Wells coming up very shortly to talk about her experiences working with the birds on Macquarie Island. We can uh, hear you've, you've got an awful lot of stuff to do there, Mark, so we'll let you go. And, oh, I'll um, better go back and crack that whip again. Yeah, go and get busy with that whip. And, um, okay. yeah, when uh, in, in a, a few weeks' time, um, post Radio Earth, I'd love to have you in studio. I know it's a bit of a journey, a bit of a drive for you to come up to Triple R, but we've got to get you in studio before the year's out. Uh, it'll be a pleasure. All right. <laughs> Good fantastic. On you, Thanks, guys. See Thanks. Ya. Okay, catch you. Bye for now. Mark Rodriguez there from Parks Victoria. Very busy program. Sharing love, all those people down there. You are here on 3RRR. Radio Marinara is the name of this program and today's special looking at the wonderful work done by Marine Coastal volunteers from around the state of Victoria. Our very next guest hails from Warrnambool, but she's a key member of Friends of Mary Marine Sanctuary. She's also worked with famous Middle Island penguins. She's a highly experienced researcher into seabirds and recently spent a year of her life on the isolated, windy, sub-Antarctic Macquarie Island as a volunteer alongside millions of penguins and seabirds. Last night, she presented at the conference dinner with a talk called Life in the Free it's with great pleasure now we cross back to Summers to speak with Mel Wells. Good morning, Mel. Welcome to Radio Marinara. Hi, Bron. Thanks. Thanks very much. Thanks. Thanks for the intro. <laughs> it's great to have you with us. Um, now we've only got maybe seven or eight minutes because we have such a jam-packed uh, program today. Um, and as I'm, um, we were just chatting on the phone, very keen to get you in studio at some point to talk about your experiences. I guess for those at home and who aren't really aware of Macquarie Island, they might have heard of it but don't really know where it is and what it's about. Can you give us a quick description of of what it's like? Yeah. So. Uh I guess in one word, windy. Uh, it's very windy. It's about um, it's about halfway between the southern tip of New Zealand and um, the Antarctic continent. So it's about two thousand kilometres south of where we are, um, and there's sort of no other land masses for you know a couple of thousand kilometres around. So it's a very very windy place, definitely. Now it's called um, subantarctic. And yes. in the sense of sub being, it's confusing sometimes, isn't it? Because you sort of think, well, it's above the Antarctic area. How can it be sub? Yeah, 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 I guess. So it's sort of, um, uh, I guess it's, you know, in the middle of the Southern Ocean there and it doesn't doesn't necessarily have that same Antarctic climate in that, you know, it's not, it's not covered in ice all year round. And um, we did have an iceberg uh, running aground offshore, but that was, you know, the first iceberg that we has been seen there, you know, in the in the last sort of ten years. So that was quite a rare event. But um, it's sort of got a very different climate than than further down south, um, when you know it's just ice basically down there. Mel, it's Doctor Beach here. How are you going? Nice to um, nice I'm to good. talk to you. <laughs> um, yeah, you too. Um, yeah. So a year on Macquarie Island. My goodness, were you there alone with all the birds, or were you accompanied <laughs> by other researchers? 
Yeah, so, I mean, our, our team, our expedition team was 15 of us, but I was working with another um, researcher. So we were working on part of this long-term um, albatross and giant petrol monitoring project down there. It's been been running for 24 years. So it was myself and another research assistant, um, and we were just doing sort of population uh, monitoring uh, of the four albatross species and the two giant petrels down there. So it was an incredible opportunity. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was amazing to be out there. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was awesome. <laughs> and are, it, are the populations healthy? Are they? Is it, you were monitoring them, presumably comparing to bird numbers in the, in more recent yep. survey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, a lot of uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we have this sort of this twenty four year data set that we're looking at these population trends, and um, certainly, um, you know, some of the species uh, that that we were looking at. Um, this was their their most the best year that they've had in terms of. Um, number of breeding pairs and success rate. So that was really good. And another thing that we're really closely looking at is um, there's been a, there was a really huge pest eradication project down there, um, you know, between sort of 2009, 10, I think, to 2011, uh, 12. I think think the eradication project was running and um, we're sort of also looking at, you know, the recovery of those species post-eradication projects. So that's been a really sort of important part of, of um, what we've been looking at. Um, certainly um, the rabbits had a, a really devastating impact on, on, you know, the grazing of these birds' habitat. So um, that's something that, yeah, we're looking at. And really, really positive outcomes um, in terms of abundance of, of the birds breeding down there, yeah. We were just talking um, at the beginning of the show about a paper that's appeared recently in Nature in the Chagos Archipelago, or set in the Chagos Archipelago, showing that um, islands that don't have rats have 781 times the number of seabirds than the islands that are rat infested. They've got this beautiful oh. control. Wow, I've not read that paper, but it sounds like an amazing paper. Wow, 780 times, yeah. No, it's... Um, so, a, a lot of... Um, Part of the eradication project down there, the, the first thing that they did to, to knock off most of the the rodents and, and the rabbits was was baiting, and that was really highly successful. But it had sort of secondary poison poison poisoning effects on some of the scavenging birds, so the, the skewers and the giant petrels, um, and so that was sort of a, you know a negative uh, you know impact yeah. of that. But but since then. Um, the, the petrels and, and the skewers have, have been doing so well and, and potentially, you know, their population numbers while all those pests were there were uh, not a good representation in that, you know, they were overabundant because there was this extra food source that, you know, shouldn't naturally be there sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, they're all doing really, really well. I can't it's, imagine it's that... It's awesome, yeah. I can't imagine that you're doing any subtitle work when you're down there, that is getting under the water, but is there any yeah. indication that as the birds are coming back in greater numbers that the, the um, stuff under the subtitle is, is doing better for more nitrogen runoff or something like that? Um, I, I, I can't tell you, honestly. No, um, there's, we, we haven't really been doing um, any sort of investigation into that at all. Um, but that's a really interesting point, actually, and that's certainly um, a field of... A field of you know research that, that I'll, fl- I'll flick you that, that paper. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it sounds really interesting. It sounds amazing. I'd love to read it. I think you guys need to get together and come up with a research program. <laughs> we do. Yeah, no. <laughs> maybe an OB from Macquarie Island. That would be good. Yeah, yeah let's right. do that. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be incredible. <laughs> A um, couple of quick questions, Mel, and we'll have to yeah. move on because we've got three yeah. more people who um, who Mark's lined us um, up with to speak with. Yeah, yeah um, pretty now, busy schedule. Yeah, yeah. Now, I understand you're going back. 
Hopefully. Right. Uh, you know, I want to, yeah, yeah. It's, it, nothing's final until, even even if you're on the ship going down there, it's not final until you actually get onto the island. There's so many things, there's so many factors that could get in the way, but hopefully that is the plan at the moment to, to return for just a summer field season. Um, but, yeah, I don't want to, you know... You don't, don't preempt. Don't be too definite. No, yeah, fair exactly. enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a whole bunch of questions I wanted to ask you about your experiences with the penguins at Middle Island uh, and yeah. the Marema dogs in particular. I will ask yes. you this one really quickly because I can't let you go before asking you about that. <laughs> what, what was your involvement? Because this is one of the most, this has become one of the most famous um, mm. pieces of, of work uh, in terms yep. of, you know, Victorian coastal um, rehabilitation and actually rescuing a disastrous situation. What was your yeah. inv- what was your involvement with it? So um, I started off as a, as a volunteer with the Coast Care Group, um, monitoring the penguins, and um, just sort of over the years, being you know involved in, in knowing the dogs and, and having that sort of intimate understanding of everything. I've started to um, care for the dogs and, and train the dogs and um, sort of coordinate the volunteer project and, and um, the monitoring, and so. Um, at the moment, I've, I've just been um, helping out with the dogs because, of course, the penguins haven't returned yet. So when they return to breed, I'll um, continue um, helping out with the monitoring and that kind of thing. But um, it's a really exciting time in the project because we've got two new pups that we're training up, like the new generation of, of guardian dogs. So with the, 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 the current guardian dogs, Udi and Chaw, they've been working on the island for 12 years now. So... We need to retire them. They're getting they're getting pretty old. So bit of um, bit of succession planning for the Maremmas. Yeah, that's um, exactly right. So yeah, it's a very exciting, exciting time for the project. Definitely. When are you expecting the penguins to come in? Well, I mean, honestly, we'd we'd be expecting them to be on the island, sort of from now, um, starting to nest nest build and and you know early breeding. But um, we went over a, a couple of weeks ago. It's sort of a little bit harder to get over to the island at this time of year, just because of the swells and the conditions, uh, but we did go over a couple of weeks ago and there was no indication that they um, were around, so we're just keeping an eye on it. But at this time of year, sort of late winter time, um, we'd be expecting them to, to begin their breeding, definitely. Great. So I've made a big note and I've actually got my highlighter out and I'm sitting here highlighting as, we, <laughs> as we're as we speaking. Awesome. We'll, yeah, um, wonderful. I'll, um, I'll get in touch with you once we're finished with the program and organise a time for you to um, hopefully come in maybe in September and we'll be able sure. to have a, give an update to our listeners on what's happening with the penguins nesting yeah, on, no, um, on Middle to. Island. Fantastic. Awesome. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mel. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you and we're looking forward to doing it at length in uh, in a couple right. of months' time. I look forward to it. Great. Station is 3RRR and we are the program about all things wet and salty. And today we're focusing on sharing the love, the great work done by Victoria's marine and coastal volunteers. We've just been speaking with Mel Wells about the work that she's been doing both at Mary Marine Sanctuary and also a year on Macquarie Island. We're now going to cross to Andrew Christie, who is a volunteer and works with Marine Care Jawbone Marine Sanctuary. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Very good. Excellent. Thanks for joining us. We're... Um, we're no. <laughs> We're racing through all the guests that Mark's lined up for us today. Jawbone Marine Sanctuary, let's start with a description. Where is Jawbone Marine Sanctuary? Sure. So um, Jawbone Marine Sanctuary is in Williamstown. Um, it's uh, located, uh, as it turns out, next to an angling club, and it's uh, 30 hectares in size. So 
So at Jawbone Marine Sanctuary, you can expect to find some uh, sandy, uh, sandy bottom environments. You've got uh, seagrass beds. There's boulders and, and that type of thing. Uh, but there's also a lovely set of mangroves on, uh, on tucked away in one corner of the sanctuary. So it's a it's a beautiful area that's uh, for, for those of our those of the listeners who are keen to sort of uh, cut their teeth with snorkeling and get in the water. It's a really nice uh, protected sort of environment for people to learn how to snorkel and do all those sorts of things. So it's a really great environment. Lots of uh, very diverse sort of a habitat. Um, so that's the uh, Jawbone Marine Sanctuary Care Group um, is the uh, is the one that uh, is concerned with the conservation of that area. Andrew, hi, it's, it's Peter Beach. It's, it's Dr Beach here. Um, Jawbone Marine Sanctuary. How, how long has it been a sanctuary? Oh, these um, these areas, uh, Jawbone and Point Cook, I think it uh, initially dates back to about the early 90s, I think. I now stand corrected on that one when they're actually uh, listed as protected areas. And uh, I think it was formalised. I know Point Cook for a fact, which is the one that I'm sort of more based at, is uh, it was about 2002 that it was really formalised as a marine protected area. Um, so they've been, uh, been in place for a little while now and uh, really, uh, I, I guess, the natural values of the area are protected. Uh, Point Cook Marine Sanctuary, a few more K, uh, it's over to the west a little bit further and uh, 290 hectares in area. Similar sort of habitats in a sense, they don't have the mangroves but what they do have is, uh, you know, boulder uh, basalt reef and also uh, sandy bottoms and seagrass beds so uh, yeah, beautiful habitats to get out and explore. And so close uh, for the, the large number of people who live around Melbourne and the, the great embayment that we have called Port Phillip Bay for people to actually get out there and get involved. It's, it's oh. you know, magnificent coastline across Victoria, but to have that so accessible, it's a great thing, isn't it? It certainly is, and that's one of the things that never ceases to amaze me, even with the sheer um, amount of development that's been going on around the suburb of Point Cook. In, and at one stage, uh, Wyndham Shire had the, uh, was the fastest-growing municipality, not only in Victoria, but in Australia. And uh, still, you can get a, a, you know, a day where it's fine, sunny, and 36 degrees. Uh, you look around on the beach, and you're the only one that's there. Um, compare that to St Kilda or something, and it's, it's shoulder to shoulder, you can barely move. So it's a really incredible sort of dynamic. Nowadays, we're seeing that start to change. We're getting more sort of patronage, I guess. There's more people exploring the area, lots of uh, young families and so on going out to explore the beach. So it's uh, it's a really pleasing thing to see that more people are getting out and about in the sunshine and enjoying the uh, the environments. Now, in addition to enjoying, there's a whole lot of citizen science work that I believe you've been looking after at Point Cook. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, certainly. Um, so what we've done with the citizen science side of things is look at some projects that have some nice tangible outcomes. So things like uh, marine pest research is one that we've been pretty heavily involved in. We've got quite a few marine pests that have uh, reared their ugly heads at Point Cook. Things like uh, wakami, the uh, um, Japanese kelp or undaria. Uh, that one's out there. We've also got uh, a new one called Japanese slippery weed. And then there's um, probably one of the other ones is Sabella, which is a a giant um, fan worm from the Mediterranean. So uh, there's that. In addition, we do things like the Great Victorian Fish Count. We've been keeping a pretty close eye on the uh, the numbers of sharks and rays that we've been seeing uh, around the, the local area and documenting that. And sometimes that's very formal with Excel spreadsheets and preparing graphs and that sort of thing. And sometimes it can just be, uh, you know, video footage and, uh, and stills photographs. And uh, interesting to see the trends um, over time where some species become more or less common and um and and that sort of thing so it's quite a a good uh, good thing to keep an eye on can you give us a quick snapshot of sharks and rays in the bay what's out there 
Uh, we see quite a few um, gummy sharks and also Port Jacksons, uh, as far as the shark side of things go. Uh, the rays, we see uh, a multitude of different ones. Probably the most common are the uh, the southern fiddler rays uh, by a considerable margin. We see lots of the banjo sharks out there, as they're also known. And uh, then there's eastern shovelnose stingarees and um, also sparsely spotted stingarees are the most common ones. We do get the occasional big black, uh, the, the huge smooth stingarees and a few uh, eagle rays out there as well and interestingly there's this gorgeous one called a round stingaree which we've been seeing uh, increased numbers of in recent years really beautiful patterning on those andrew you mentioned um some of the pests japanese um slippery weed i've, I've not heard of that yeah. what is it is it green brown yeah, red yeah, right. it's a red uh, red algae, that one. Uh, Gratilupia turuturu is the, uh, the scientific name of that one. So that's something that showed up in the shallow subtitle and the intertidal region. Uh, it was a citizen science uh, a little cruise. Uh, the Pelican was out there one day and we had an aquatic botanist on board who, who actually found it. And that was the first documented instance of it in that area back in about 2011, I think it was. Wow, fantastic that he was on board. Hey, that's actually a perfect lead into um, our next subject and our next um, speaker, our next guest, um, Jonathan Stevenson, who's going to be talking to us about marine pests in Victoria. So, Andrew, I'm really sorry to cut it short because it's, no, that's it's been no amazing. It's kind of like speed dating with all our guests today. We're really just kind of getting a, a snapshot of all the great <laughs> things you're doing. But um, we had a little chat off air while we had our track on and we're going to get you in the studio too to talk more about Jawbone. Um, that would be great. Right. Yeah, particularly in the lead up through spring and heading into summer when things get really active, um, we know with your volunteer program. So um, really looking forward to having you in shortly. Terrific. Thank you. I'll put John on. Excellent. While you do that, I've just got a quick live read that I need to do. So this is Triple uh, R Open Day. You've probably heard the station announcements about this. Very exciting. This is something that we do every year and this is part of Open House Melbourne next Saturday, the 28th of July from 10am till 4pm and we've been doing this since 2008 when Open House Melbourne has connected people with good design and architecture in the city. Well, actually, we haven't, but Open House Melbourne has. So as part of this event, Triple R's opening its doors next Saturday from 10 till 4. So you can come and look at the great presenters here on this program the, doing the, what well, they do. Well, yeah, you can see the whole lot. Come check out Brian the performance Wise. space. Use the lose. <laughs> you need to do more than that, though. Um, Annalise with Neon Sen Sunset. Annalisa, you can come and see Denise Highlands doing her wonderful program, Twang. Uh, so Triple R announcers and staff will be on hand to show you through the studios, vinyl, CD libraries. Wow, they are very extensive too. Um, the office and meeting spaces. It's free. You don't need to book. Uh, so the address, which you'll need, 221 Nicholson Street, corner of Nicholson and Blythe Street, Brunswick East. The easiest way to get here is just to jump on the 96 tram. That will take you all the way up Nicholson Street and the very last stop is where the Triple R Studios are. So for more information, www.openhousemelbourne.org. Hope to see you here next Saturday. We're now going to cross back to Summers where hopefully we've got our Jonathan Stevenson lined up. He is Marine Pest Officer for Parks Victoria. Good morning, Jono. Yeah, good morning, Brian. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Not too bad. It's, uh, yeah, I think it's been said before, a lovely day down here at the moment, quite pleasant. Hey, it's fabulous to have you back on the program because you've been on before, but not for a while. Uh, so great. Not for some time. No, no, that's right. I thought perhaps let's start with marine pests in Victoria for the basics um, for our listeners, and this might be a new subject. Maybe they haven't heard that much about marine pests. Uh, Andrew was just sort of alluding to them. Can you give us a general summary of what we know? Yeah, certainly. Uh, obviously, everyone be aware of pests on land: blackberries, rabbits, foxes, various other weeds. Uh, and in the marine environment, we have marine pests 
or introduced species uh, which act in a uh, same sort of pest way. So we have plants, we have animals which uh, have come from elsewhere and have uh, managed to establish in the bay and a few other places in Victoria. Uh, some common ones are the, and certainly ones of major concern, are the Northern Pacific Sea Star, the uh, Japanese kelp or wakimi, which is also, uh, we refer to just by its genus name, Undaria. Uh, there's uh, the fanworm, uh, the bellid fanworm. Uh, there's, uh, I think Andrew was referring to the Gratilupia seaweed. There's uh, New Zealand screw shells, so uh, a range of uh, marine pests have unfortunately found their way into Victorian waters. John, it's, uh, it's Dr Beach here. So with the Japanese, yeah. the Gratilupia, it, that was the first time I'd heard about it um, being in the bay, even though it's been there for five or six years. How much of a, how much of a problem issue is this looking so to be at the moment? Probably, that one's still a probably developing issue and uh, trying to just uh, understand wh- where it is. It seems to be mostly up the top end of the bay and uh, how much of an impact it's having is probably unknown at this stage uh, and it's like a bit of a watch this space. Unfortunately with, with marine pests, kind of a, and where it differs a bit to the terrestrial pests is once they get established they're very very hard to control and that's one of the biggest problems we have is uh, dealing with the pests in a new area. The best way to deal with marine pests is to actually stop them establishing in new areas in the first place and that's what we really uh, spending a lot of time working on, uh, which is not to say that we can't control pests uh, once they do turn up in a new area. And Victoria actually has a really nice uh, track record in some respects. In 2003, the Northern Pacific Sea Star, which unfortunately is out of control in Port Phillip Bay, and a lot of people do local control programs, but overall there's we can't actually do anything to control uh, Northern Pacific Sea Stars and Port Phillip Bay at this stage. We do want to stop them establishing outside the bay. And in 2003, they turned up in Anderson's Inlet. With, uh, and a response was uh, implemented through... Uh, who Del was back then? Uh, and uh, with Parks Victoria and lots of uh, volunteer divers and uh, other groups were involved. And they were actually removed from Anderson's Inlet. There was a few hundred sea stars pulled out of the channel and they haven't been seen since, which is good. Uh, more, I, I live down in the South Gippsland area and uh, we've had sea stars turn up in Tidal River at Wilson's Promontory in 2012. And again, a response was put in place and sea stars were removed from there. They have reappeared recently and... I suppose what's uh, unfortunate now is we're getting evidence that there may be a population that has actually established in Waratah Bay, which is uh, very problematic in that uh, it's a big open coast bay, deep water, large area, and where exactly they might be, we have um, great difficulty in telling. So what's the plan with the Waratah Bay situation, John? Uh, so we have initiated surveys to try to locate the population. Uh, it ca- we know that they're probably there by two animals that were found washed up on the beach at uh, Waratah Bay itself back in January. Uh, one was uh, kind of a bit of a sad situation in that it was a member of the public who had a lovely day walking on the beach, 
photographed some amazing sea stars washed up on the beach and posted them on the field net uh, of Victoria Facebook page and saying, what a wonderful day I had, and these, I saw these beautiful animals washed up on the beach. One was a Northern Pacific sea star, one was a native sea star, and the third was a gastropod, which was actually a New Zealand screw shell. So two out of three of the amazing animals this person saw were introduced marine species. Uh, so that, that did lead to a response, or, or, uh, and the initial work was to go out and do some... Uh, eDNA surveys, which is, uh, the E stands for environmental, and uh, DNA is just uh, obviously DNA in uh, all living things produce DNA. And this is a new technique that is uh, evolving for aquatic systems where pretty well any living organism in that system will shed its DNA into the system. And you can take a sample of water and then look for the specific markers for that species and see if you get a positive hit you know it's there you don't know necessarily where it is but you know it's probably nearby and uh, for Waratah Bay that's happened and it did return positive hits uh, in very low low levels low levels and where that uh, so where they actually are in Waratah Bay we don't know at this stage we've tried some diving surveys uh, use of remote operated vehicles but uh, we we're obviously looking in the wrong spot because we didn't find any. So, Jono, something... They're probably low numbers, though. Yeah, Jono, something we're going to have to keep uh, a very close eye on and keen to connect with you sort of through the rest of this year and make sure that we um, catch up with you on what's going on with Waratah Bay but marine pests around the state as well. I'm just wrapping this up because it's coming up to 5 to 10 and uh, Mark has Stefan Howe lined up for us as well. So thanks so much for joining us and we will catch up with you again um, before the year's out and just to find out some more details about marine pests in the Victorian coastline. Thanks heaps for your time this morning. No worries. Looking forward to catching up again. Yeah, me too. That'll be really good. We can do it in more detail and, and at, at length, <laughs> a bit more <laughs> relaxed. Um, just while you pass the phone over to Stefan, a couple of quick plugs that I wanted to mention. Um, on last week's program, we had Neil Blake in and he was talking about some surveys he's doing at Kerford Road Pier. We've had some inquiries that have come through um, via Triple R. So thanks so much to those people who've inquired. Um, meeting is at 10.30 on Tuesday, so in two days' time at Kerford Road Pier, if you want to go along and take part in those surveys. So really fantastic that um, people have listened and are wanting to take part, Dr Beach. It is. It's, it's a beautiful thing to know that we might be connecting people to people like Neil Blake. That's right. Our wonderful baykeeper. Uh, two more plugs I wanted to give. One is, this is quite um, cute. Thank you, Cade, for mentioning this. Next weekend's Murrindindi Beanie Festival, beanies that you wear on your head. Uh, it's raising money to buy firewood for local elderly people, which is just beautiful. Now, local Sue Wynn, she's embraced this year's theme of mountain streams to to the ocean shore and she's knitted beanies representing algae, kelp, frogs, fish and sharks uh, and they're going to be among hundreds on display in a competition to find the top three. So um, she's selling them, they're sold to the public and raise money for local charities. So if you want to get along to that, that's at St John's Anglican Church Hall, Downey Street in Murrindindi, uh, both um, July, July 28 and 29, so both days next weekend, you can get along to that. Uh, we'll put some details to that if I can find some, that all I have is what K 
Kincaid sent me from last week, uh, from yesterday's paper, sorry. Um, the last one I really need to get a plug in for is Streaker Gate 2 at the Gasso. This is taking place this coming Thursday, July 26th, um, hosted by White Vans, Go Get Mum, Spiral Perm and, of course, the wonderful Gasometer Hotel. This is to raise funds for uh, a streaker at this year's Community Cup who's been hit with a very hefty fine. And so what we do, of course, in uh, what we're now calling the Mega Dog Universe, it's the um, Megahertz and Rock Dogs all coming together, um, doing a massive big whip round in the form of a fantastic night out. And to make our stand for nudity. Yeah. Freedom. Yeah. Let's all get together and support this wonderful person. Uh, so, 26th of July, uh, this coming Thursday from 7 until 11. Great thing to do on a Thursday night at the Gasometer, 484 Smith Street, Collingwood. And you can get your tickets at gasometer.ozticks.com.au. I think it's going to be possibly a sellout. I don't know. You'd want to get your tickets and not just... You can rock up and take your chances or you can do what I've done and already I've already got my ticket. Oh, I need to get onto it then. Cannot wait. All right, let's cross back. Oh, it's 9.57. We've got three minutes left to catch up with our final guest on today's program, um, sharing the love and uh, what better person to finish this off, Stefan Howe, who's Manager of Marine Science at Parks Victoria. Good morning, Stefan. Uh, good morning, Brian. How, uh, how are you doing? Uh, great, thanks. Excellent. Yeah, really enjoying the workshop down here. It's a fantastic forum and a great bunch of people to catch up with. So, yeah. So I'm going to say up front, we're going to get you on to talk in more detail because we've yeah. only got a few minutes left and uh, we've kind of overloaded ourselves this morning. You've just come back from um, a recent conference at AMSA, so we'll talk to you about that maybe next time as well. But just can you give us a yeah. very quick snapshot on what's going on with um, with what we know about marine science in uh, in parks areas in Victoria? Um, as you may remember, we've, got a, we've had a science program since about 2002 when the Marine National Parks and Sanctuaries were established. And we've been doing a lot of work with partners to try to fill some really key knowledge gaps through habitat mapping programs and other applied research. And we've had some long-term monitoring programs as well just to help us better understand what's happening with the, the bays in the parks and the threats to those so we can better manage them. But um, we've been doing some work recently um, with a number of research partners sort of, uh, with an updated monitoring program and, uh, and using some some new technology and, and some that's not so new um, just to, to collect more data and better quality data. And, and we're also getting some fantastic footage and images of some of the amazing marine life uh, in the parks um, there's a project to point out that we're running at the moment with Deakin and Melbourne Union. We've just uh, just seen some video in the last couple of days of threshing sharks, wobbly gongs, seals playing with draft board sharks uh, and, yeah, some other amazing stuff. So great for community outreach too, hopefully. Yeah, fantastic. And so much to um, to get into and to look at and to take part in as well with the great citizen science work that, that your group does at Parks Victoria. Um, look, Stefan, with apologies, I'm going to end it now because there's so much to cover and there's not really... We kind of need 15 minutes to cover everything that we need to cover with you. Yeah, sure. So uh, as we've done with all our guests today, it's been a bit of a speed dating session and we will uh, organise a time for you to, to talk at length um, after Radiothon sometime in September and we can really give this uh, the justice that it deserves the time it deserves. Yeah, that'd be great. Quick. The citizen science side of things is just such an important part of the program too. So It is, and it's just growing. More, so. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.